the Chicago Bulls have a lot of questions around them. Questions on their roster, questions on their coaching staff. But one of the bigger questions that I personally have not talked about is, what if AK and Eversley just aren't good as we expected them to be? And this struggle that we've seen, that we you know think it's from players not developing in XYZ, is just coming from not having a good front office. We're going to talk about the possibility of that and how the Bulls can be into a dark future if that is the case. But we're going to talk about that, plus dive into the mailbag right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host here, Hayes, but more importantly than me, you can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform. Also, make sure you go out and check out the Chi-Town Sports Central Network of, of family of podcasts and YouTube channels, which we have a channel for the Bears, channel for the Sox, channel for the Cubs, channel for the Blackhawks, channel for the Chicago Sky, if you are a Chicago Sky fan as well, and NBA Central on top of all of that. You guys, make sure you go out and support the team. But let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So over the course of this offseason, I've talked a lot about the roster, right, the limitations that we have there on the roster, um, you know, the waiting for players like a Patrick Williams, a Dalen Terry, now a Julian Phillips to add to that core, um, and waiting for one of those players to develop, and how AK and Eversley have really drafted these young, uh, uh, potential, high-ceiling potential guys that we just haven't seen that ceiling really come to fruition yet. Doesn't mean it's not coming, but we haven't seen it happen yet. And, you know, kind of the limitations on the roster, the lack of, of, of some size at times, the lack of some, some, some rim protection that we, that we d- desperately need. Talked about Billy Donovan, his, his, his lack of adjustments at times, sometimes how the offense just stagnates and how he doesn't really hold players accountable in a consistent way that, that forces change, right? And while those things are all clear and evident and valid points, right, and, you know, as well as having stars like DeMar DeRozan and, and, and Zach Levine that have big flaws to their game, but, you know, we haven't seen everything kind of come together yet. But the bigger question is, and the question that I think as we go forward and we, and you know, we, we this front office came in, and we, it's highly touted. We looked at what they built over in Denver, and then we thought, hey, they drafted Patrick Williams, then brought in Marco Simonovic, who, you know, delayed a year to come over. And, you know, then that first trade deadline, moving all the young pieces that they moved to bring in Nikola Vucevic, sent out some draft picks, but kind of cleared some some area, cleared up some monotony on that roster, and then went in the, into that first offseason after that, signed Lonzo Ball, signed DeMar DeRozan, signed Alice Caruso, and they made a lot of moves, and it was snappy, and it felt different. And then it all came crashing down to earth. A game against the Golden State Warriors and with Zach Levine and, and, and Lonzo Ball both got injured. I think it was against the Golden State Warriors. I'm sure somebody's going to correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Ed Herring, who's like the official Bulls historian, is probably going to be like, ah, actually, Hayes, this is the actual game that that happened on. But the, we saw that c- come crashing down. And, at, and since then, it's really just been a steady decline. Yeah, we've had some, some ups like after signing Pat Bev. But really, when you look at it, that game that Zach Levine and Lonzo Ball got hurt in, it's been a decline on not only the view of the front office since that point, but of, of the team overall since that point. And so their first year was filled with some flashy moves. And since then, it's been kind of quiet. Now, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to bury the lead here. I am not down on this front office yet. I look at some of the things that have happened around and, and some of the reasoning. And I understand a lot of the things that they've done. Yes, the, the deals haven't worked out quite yet as far as like any of the young players really developing yet. Shout out to them getting ahead of player development finally. Um, but it, 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 it just breeds a world in which there's a lot of questions. We've seen teams be extremely active and aggressive, and the Bulls just haven't been that active and aggressive since that initial uh, first 
trade deadline and then that subsequent free agency after that, it's just been a lot of smaller subsequent moves since then, right? And as we know, with the NBA, it's a game of can you stay ahead of the curve? Now, I do think, and I like the way that they've improved this roster with the acquisitions they've made. I think this offseason they gave out a lot of smart, intelligent deals. But you have to have some level of concern about if this front office just isn't good enough to get the job done, right? If they're not going to be able to stay ahead, maybe they made all their bevy of moves and maybe they're just waiting until they get lucky on a player really hitting a high ceiling and a, a star to superstar level status. And then at that point, then we can get a little bit active. And we know we have ownership that doesn't like to pay the luxury tax, which absolutely plays a part in that as well. I don't want to overlook that. But one of the bigger questions is, and one of the biggest things to overcome in the NBA is if you just have a bad front office. Now, like I said, I don't think that. I, I think it's too early to write that home, understand why they weren't as active that trade deadline after the season that Zach Levine and Lonzo got hurt because they just made a lot of moves that, that offseason before. I understood that. This past trade deadline, yeah, I kind of understood it in the sense that we didn't have a lot of flexibility. And like I've said, a lot of our big contracts to make a considerable move, it would have meant that we're sending out one of our bigger pieces at that point in time. This free agency was a free agency of kind of maintaining the status quo. You had to lock in Vooch because you just didn't have assets to re-sign them. But at some point, at some point, you have to look and evaluate the moves for what they are. And so while there are reasonings and and not excuses, reasons and excuses are different. There are reasonings for why certain things have happened with this Bulls team. The uh, the inability from the, front, the, from the front office to pivot off some of their own mistakes is starting to be a little glaring for some Bulls fans. And so if it does end up being that, we just have a front office that just is not going to be able to stay ahead, isn't going to get, be able to get creative with moves. I tell you what, it, 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 it's going to be a very dark future with the Chicago Bulls. Now, AK and Eversley, to their credit, moving in to get Julian Phillips, who, you know, like I said, if that shot works out, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be great. Patrick Williams, I still see the potential in Patrick Williams. Of course, not that ceiling that I once thought that it was going to be. And Dale and Terry is still a very much an unknown because we just haven't gotten to see enough of Dale and Terry, in my opinion, for us to really kind of write that story on him yet. But it still does raise some questions. If this front office is just, and some people have said it, they're worse or just as bad as Gar Paxson. If it's that, if that's the case, unless we get another lucky time where we get a first overall pick like Derrick Rose's work, it doesn't have to be the first overall, but unless we just get lucky where a pick just hits that ceiling and, and whatever, it if the front office just isn't good, it's going to be a dark time around the Chicago Bulls and, and for a considerable future. Because as we know, with the position that AK is in, we haven't had somebody who has held that position less than a decade. We just haven't. It has not happened in Chicago Bulls history. Uh, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf get, tends to give that time. So we'll see, man. I And I think ultimately, if the, the concern and the more pessimistic Chicago Bulls fans are correct, and this just ends up being a, a situation in a scenario in which it just is not going to be, it, it, we just have a front office that just doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to pivot or stubborn or whatever it ends up being. Gonna be, it's going to be a long, long time period and long era for the Chicago Bulls. At least I, I see the potential in it being that. Like I said, I haven't lost my complete confidence on AK and Eversley yet. I have not. Um, and I won't say that, I, that doesn't mean that I agree with every move that they've made. No, I see a lot of mistakes in the moves that they've made thus far. Um, and, and, you know, some of those mistakes could come and fix themselves over a player developing, and we'll see. Like I said, it's probably going to be a year to year and a half before we really see the benefits of having a head of player development now. But the, the, there's, the signs for concern are more than evident there. And so, you know, I just wanted to give it, like, we evaluate everything else. The front office has to be evaluated as well. And so with the questions around this front office, until some of those questions start getting answers and positive answers, because if the answers just end up being bad answers, eh, 
it's not going to be looking good for the Chicago Bulls' future. But okay, enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into the mailbag. It's Saturday, so it's mailbag day. This episode's mainly built around your voicemails, texts, and mailbag comments. We're going to get into the first voicemail. This one's from Ed Herring. Brother Hayes, how you doing? This is Ed Herring. I'm leaving a voicemail. I've been trying to leave one a couple of times, but it, some audio background noise got in the way. Um, just want to talk about Javon Carter. Now, obviously, Javon Carter hasn't had this career where he's been a high usage um, point guard in the in the mode of being a dynamic facilitator or a shot creator or a playmaker. But that's not his role. But that doesn't mean because that's not his role that he can't be an effective player. And I've seen some people questioning the validity. Of his uh, of his acquisition because he's not that dynamic floor maker and that's not what the Chicago Bulls needed. Um, all the Bulls need him to do is be is to take care of the ball, play his defense, and then make open three point shots and just play basketball. He's going to be a guard in the mold of Mario Chalmers when he was with the Heat and also Derek Fisher when he was with the Lakers. Obviously, those are two teams that I mentioned that were title. They won championships, multiple championships, and although we are far away from that. It doesn't mean that Javon Carter can't be an effective guard. He's going to be effective in his role. I believe he's going to be our starter. And if he just takes care of the ball, plays good defense, and makes his open shots from three-point range, which he did last year, the 42% clip, then the Bulls are going to be fine, and Javon Carter will be fine in his role. And uh, and that will allow Kobe White to be a potential sixth man of the year. I think that's the best lane for the Chicago Bulls in regards to our Chicago Bulls. All right, C-Red, go Bulls. I love the comps to Derek Fisher and Mario Chalmers. I think that Javon Carter can be that solid point guard. And like you said, while we haven't seen him, he just hasn't had to be in a role where he needs to facilitate. And even that, he that doesn't necessarily – you can be a successful point guard without being a facilitating point guard. I do think that we're going to see an uptick in his passing. I talked about it. He averaged what I think was like two and a half, almost three assists per game in the games that he started, and I do think that we can see an uptick in that by him understanding, grasping the offense. But what Javon Carter brings is three-point shooting and defense, and he brings that at an extremely high level and setting a standard. I think having Javon Carter there in training camp is going to help set a a a um, a culture, right, um, and, and a play style for the Chicago Bulls team that we just did not have. And so, you know, you saw we saw last season, the first video that was released in the first day of training camp, Billy Donovan said we need to establish an identity. We didn't do that until we got Pat Bev. We now have that in. And I think also overlooking, at times as fans, we can overlook how important having a veteran in that's gone through playoff runs, that's that's done some things, uh, how that can establish the culture and raise the bar for everyone. Javon Carter coming at Kobe White defensively, Iota Sumo defensively, heck, even Zach Levine sometimes defensively, depending on how they mix things up, is going to help players come in more ready to go in, at the start of that season, and I think that's the benefit that is going to pay off. I really like Javon Carter. I like him as a starting point guard. I know a lot of Bulls fans, especially more ones that are enamored with scoring, are like, let, let, let Kobe get an opportunity there. And Kobe may very well take that opportunity. But I think that it's going to end up being Javon Carter being the starting point guard for the Bulls, and I think it's going to make the Bulls a better experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, Bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL 
But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc team overall with his strengths coming in and then i do think we're going to be able to see some things in his game that we just have not gotten to see in other places quite yet just because of how much we need a point guard, and the skill set that he brings to this team. That's my thoughts. You guys can let me know what you think on everything down below. All right, let's get into this next voicemail. This What's one's going on, Hayes? Uh, it's Big O again, man. This call ain't really uh, it ain't really about the Bulls. I was just uh, watching you guys. Uh, you, and, uh, uh, you and Pat on Locked On. Uh, I guess it does uh, it, it revolve around the Bulls, but not just only the Bulls. I know you guys was mentioning, mentioning that uh, – well, at least Pat, I think he, Pat was mentioning that he was uh, he wasn't super high on uh, Mikael Bridges taking a huge leap, uh, and I I kind of well, I ain't gonna say I disagree or agree, but I kind of I wouldn't be shocked if that, if, if Mikael Bridges does take a leap this year because for one he's the number one option. Two, I mean we had Jimmy Butler on our roster, so I mean you can't you can't. Be a Bulls fan and watch Jimmy Butler do what he did and watch see how he's grown and then just shoot down any player of being able to take take that jump like that. I mean, if you look at if you look at them, they they pretty much identical. And you can argue that Mikael Bridges is a better offensive player now. And what Mikael, this is Mikael's fourth year in the league. Mikael Bridges is an offensive player now. And um, you know, if you want to talk about. Jimmy Butler was fourth year in the league and and, and compare him. Uh, so I absolutely wouldn't be surprised if Mikael Bridges takes that leap to to being a, a star in this league. I mean, uh, he handles guy. He ain't you know the super. You know it don't look fancy, but who does that remind you of? Remind you of Jimmy Butler? His offensive game don't look fancy either. It's just about can you be efficient enough where we can run our set through you. And you can run our offense just to help win us win games. You know what I mean? That's really what it comes down to. And I absolutely think the Brooklyn Nets have an opportunity to do that and show that. So I want Mikael Bridges to take the lead. He's going to get 18-plus shots a game, and everything's going to go to him. So I, I'm not shocked with that at all. As far as uh, how the East shaping out with the Bulls, uh, I mean, Atlanta, New York, Toronto, uh, you can throw the Knicks in there. Hey, it is all going to shake out. Who going to who going to play well? The, the Atlanta Hawks could be better than the Bulls. They could be worse than the Bulls. I think Trey Young shot his worst percentage from the field and the three point line last year. 
So I won't be surprised if Atlanta is better. I won't be surprised if the Bulls better. It's just all about who's going to have a better year this year. That's, but all them teams pretty much round out in the same group or type of team. So that's my take on that. I'm just going to use it for locked on or any of your other. Uh... And so Big O is commenting on a, 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 a conversation that we had over on Locked On Bulls. You guys can go and listen to that uh, if you choose to do so. But. I have mentioned that I don't see Mikael Bridges hitting the superstar level that a lot of people think that he's going to hit that leap too. Not that Mikael Bridges can't be a damn good player. And I think comparing him to Jimmy Butler is completely different. They are very different players. Uh, Mikael Bridges to me is not nearly the defender that Jimmy Butler ever was at his prime. And I also think that Mikael Bridges doesn't necessarily have the mindset of Jimmy. Jimmy Butler carries himself like he's the best player on the court every single day. And he's done that since about his third year with the Chicago Bulls. Like he just has that gravity as a player and confidence level that helps boost everybody up. And that's not to say that Mikael Bridges can't take a step. I do think Mikael Bridges is a damn good basketball player. And I would love to have Mikael Bridges on this team. Do not get me wrong. I would love that. But when I when we had that conversation, it was more about Mikael Bridges hitting that superstar level that I've seen some articles and some people say that they think Mikael Bridges is going to hit. I just don't see that from Mikael Bridges. But as far as being a damn good two-way player in this league and a player that could be one of the better two-way players in the NBA, no, Mikael Bridges absolutely has that ceiling. Um, I just don't know if he has that same mentality like a Jimmy Butler does. But overall, that's not to it was never to crap on Mikael Bridges or anything like that. I do think that Mikael Bridges is a damn good NBA player. And one, I wouldn't lie, I would love to have on this team. All right, let's get into the next one. This one's from Shay. What's up, hey? This is Shay. You know, I know this may not be a popular name, but everybody's been talking about Christian Wood, Christian Wood, this, Christian Wood, that. But nobody's talking about this kid that's currently a free agent right now. He's 23 by the name of Moses Brown. Now, look, I know you spoke highly about him in the past. Or was it a kid? I don't know. But I think that he could be good for us at the end of the bench player. Now, look, I know he's raw offensively and whatnot, blah, 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 blah. But I feel like just for some insurance, I think he might be a good center for the end of the bench. Now, I know what everybody's going to say. Oh, he's not that good of a player. But, hey, he has a lot of size and good rim protection. I feel like he could help us out a lot. Anyway, man, tell me what you think. Peace. Yeah, I, it was, I, I talked about Mo- Moses Brown before, and I think as a back end of the bench player that still brings some rebounding, some shot blocking, but also you can maybe develop a little bit, bring some edge out of, and especially with the head of player development now, like you can get more out of Moses Brown. I like Moses Brown overall, and I and I like his skill set. I like his size. Um, and, you know, people saw that in Moses Brown as well, but every step along the way that he's gone, like even when he went to Cleveland, I believe, a lot of people were like, oh, man, they just added – they just added some really needed depth to their front court, right? Um, and it just it hasn't really shaped up that way. Now, some of that is him just not getting very many, very much opportunity. When you look at it, he's only averaged 12.4 minutes per game over his career, and most of that coming when he averaged 21 minutes per game uh, for mem- uh, as a member of the OKC Thunder back in 2020-21. Um, and that he averaged 8 points per game and 8.9 rebounds per game in 21 minutes. Listen, Moses Brown is a player that, like, even if he doesn't develop anymore, which I'm not ready to write that story on a player that's only 23 years old. I think he still has quite a bit of room for development. He's shown you. If you give him minutes, he can get you near a double-double. That's not something that you overlook. And since then, he's only averaged, he's been on four different teams since then. He's only averaged double-digit minutes once in 2020-21 when he made a stop in Cleveland, averaging 12.6 minutes per game. And he shot the ball over 50% from, from, from the field for his career. Moses Brown is a player that if the Bulls did go out and get, again, it's not anybody who really puts the Bulls over the top or changes their ceiling, 
But to bring him, have him in your system, in your building, and to be able to develop him and see what you can get out of him over long term, I would love. I wouldn't mind Moses Brown at all. Like I do think that the Bulls are probably going to go more veteran than young, needing development talent in their last roster spot. But if it does end up being a player like Moses Brown, I don't think that that's a bad thing at all. But hey, you guys can let me know what you think down below as always. All right, we got two comments we're going to put up here now. If you're on the podcast side, of course, I'll read these out. The first one is from RW Chi-Town, who left this a couple of days ago. Do you believe Alex Caruso's future with the Bulls depends on the advancement of Io DeSumo? I'm going to say this is a very great question because I think when you look at what I.O. ceiling looks like it could be right now. Yes, he hasn't really scratched his offensive potential that he flashed in Illinois, but I.O. has shown the ability, like we said, rookie of the, his, his rookie season, it was him and Alex Caruso some as two of the best point-of-attack defenders at that guard position in the NBA, period, right? And if I.O. can get back to that and do that consistently, it could make a player like Alex Caruso expendable in the sense that, uh, uh, that he's cheaper than, than Alex Caruso. You could look to then move Alice Caruso and, and get a high asking price from, from a, a, a team that's trying to make a move. You could get one to two first-round picks, lower first-round picks, right? But there's a possibility of that. I do think that if Io comes in and he flashes him with how this Chicago Bulls roster has now changed, that there's a potential for that. I do think that AK and Eversley are not going to let Alice Caruso go for just anything. I don't think that they're going to let him just walk in free agency. And it could be tied to Ayo DeSumo's growth and development in a way. I'm not necessarily saying for sure because it really depends on what Ayo flashes and shows. But I think between if you have Ayo get back to what we think and know that Ayo can be, as well as Kobe White advancing and developing as well, that it could make you look at it if you need to add size and other things later. It could make you look at Alice Cruz and say, hey, from the bench and what we're getting from Kobe and Ayo, it's net more positive than Alice Caruso. And at what we're paying him, let's see what we can get. It's a possibility for that. I'm not sitting here saying it's a for sure thing or anything like that, but I'm just saying there's that possibility. So great question from RW Chi-Town, in my opinion. Thank you for that. All right, let's get into the last comment for today. This one's from Levine, and he says this. Mailbag, Dalen is not ready for the NBA. He need to figure out how to put it all together. I seen him doing a lot of amazing circus layups and eye pop, some eye-popping uh, passes with some contagious energy, but it feels so forced. He needs to figure out how to put it all together in the flow of the offense. He needs to slow down, lots of dribbling, very sloppy, but has shown me when he shows slows down, he can handle the ball. To me, it feels like a lack of maturity, kind of like Jordan. Here's what I'll say. Then why does he, how is he not ready? If you say that you see all that, how is he not ready for the NBA? You can only develop so much in practice, in G League. At some point, you need to slow down to the NBA level game. You need to be able to see what you need to do against that level of competition. So I'm, I'm not saying that Dalen, he needs to earn it, right? With his play in the defense is going to be the thing that gets him there. But if he does show that, he needs to develop at the NBA level. There's only so much he can do at the G League. And I do think uh, Dalen Terry is an NBA talent. He's going to be, but he need, he's raw. He's extremely raw. We knew that when the Bulls drafted him. But at some point, you have to, you have to take off the net and just let him, the safety net, and let him go out there and sink or swim at the NBA level. And that's one of the... Biggest thing is that Billy Donovan just, because we're always fighting for this playoff and we're trying to win and all these things, like Billy Donovan doesn't necessarily go to the young players and allow them to make mistakes, get those development reps um, that we've talked about before. But I think it's, it, at some point you have to make that decision and you have to throw a player out there and say, listen, you want to be at the NBA level? You want to get this money? You want to be able to, to show and prove that you can help us win basketball games? Go out there and do it. That's my opinion. You guys can let me know what you think on everything down below. But that's it for today. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bull Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, 
BullCentralPod.gmail.com. Lastly, you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag episode, which we'll have another one tomorrow, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related because of you guys. And like I like to end every episode on. Go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.